Hi, welcome to The Green Room, a podcast where you can hang backstage with musicians, actors and comedians from around the globe. Presented by The Handshake Agency and powered by Yamaha Headphones, I'm your host Tiana Speter. I hope you're having an awesome day so far. Mine is already way more awesome having you here with me, which sounds like I'm being a giant kiss ass, but it's true. I am so stoked you've tuned in today. To briefly recap, on last week's episode, I spent some time inside the mind of the sensational Keenan Lonsdale, aka dancer, actor, and musician extraordinaire. Keenan is one of those rare entities who can seemingly excel at literally anything he puts his mind to, but there's also an incredible sensitivity and likability underlying his art, whether it be his Kid Flash breakout role or his fierce and insightful musical prowess. And it is little wonder why this absolute volcano of creativity is commanding more and more attention on the world stage. Who doesn't love an Aussie success story? And there's no doubt Keenan certainly will continue to conquer the world. Plus, keep an eye out for new imminent things from him. Watch this space. Sticking with the Aussie creative themes for this week's episode, my guest today created 10 years ago what can only be described as the hip-hop event of the year. With his second studio album, Falling and Flying, unveiling back in 2011, Melbourne rapper 360, aka Matt Colwell, rewrote the hip-hop game, with his genre-bending album scorching the charts, snapping up 10 ARIA award nominations and two wins, and transplanting 360 next to some of his idols, including a national tour opening for a childhood hero, Eminem. 360 has continually proven to be an artist ready and willing to wear his heart on his sleeve, And while his recent absence from the musical realms may be lined with pain and some pretty hard lessons, 360 is back stronger than ever, not only armed with some new music, but also with the impending 10th anniversary edition of the album that changed it all. Come spend some time with 360 today as we chat music as therapy, songwriting glow-ups, and a look back at the making of Falling and Flying. Well, here we go. It's rapper extraordinaire 360 in the green room with me today. 360, aka Matt, an absolute treat to have you here with me today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. Yes. Well, my room is not very green, but I will do my absolute best to make it feel like we're backstage somewhere fun instead of locked down in our houses. But <laughs> like most of us, you have obviously had a pretty eventful 2021, but hot damn, it seems like you have been especially busy of late. There's obviously the impending deluxe reissue of Falling and Flying celebrating its 10th anniversary. There's unreleased demos kicking around on there and other bonus treat but there's also been some brand new tunes as well like earlier in the year you obviously released standalone back in april now that it's been a few months since that track has actually dropped and been out in the world and given how long it's been between new tunes for you how does it feel to have new music out and about in the world oh it's really it's it's the reaction to that's been really great um it's been such a long time since i've released anything and uh that that is uh, something where I really had to get a lot of stuff off my chest that dated back years. Like it was, there's a whole lot of stuff I'm talking about that goes back so long ago. Um, and it was, yeah, it was really, really good to get it out. And I'm, I was kind of in a, 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 a was in a pretty bad place. So um, I wasn't sure how it would go. Like I wasn't sure whether people would really be into it that much or, but, pe- yeah, people seem to be enjoying it, so I'm, I'm really happy with it. 
Yeah. And I mean, you have spoken extensively in the past about, you know, your path to where you are now. And quite poetically, I did read you say back in the day that music has become your only vice. I mean, it's a huge thing to be coming to this point, but you do open up with standalone with some pretty upfront sentiments. I mean, in particular saying it felt weird you hadn't dropped anything in so long when it came to actually creating new music at this point, like was the intention just to kind of bear your soul, come out, kind of get that out of the road so you, you can kind of just move forward and get on with it? Like what was the instigation with this? Um, so I, I've been working on, uh, I've been writing a lot of stuff and originally Standalone was part of a uh, rapper tag that I that I just put out. And it was going to be that and then the actual rapper tag that I released. So it was going to be like 12 minutes and we thought we, we should actually just put standalone as a standalone track on its own. So, yeah, that, 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 was, that would have been way too much to have in 12 minutes, you know what I mean? So putting it in, into a song like that was the way to go for sure. <laughs> You've obviously come through so much to get to this point, and I do like standalone kind of does sit perfectly standing alone in a way, but in terms of like music and what's driving you in 2021, like has music always been that first organic love for you and has that permeated throughout everything you've done in the past? Yeah, absolutely. Like the the music is the best therapy, just writing writing songs and, and just talking about how I feel is just it's it's I get regular therapy as well and I think writing is the best therapy is great too but um yeah making music is is basically the it's 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 it becomes like an addiction in a way because it's the only thing I really know what to do with myself and you know know what I'm doing and, and stuff like that. Like I often, often think if I didn't have music, I'd, I'd, um, I, yeah, it, I can't even begin to imagine where I would be at. I'd be in a dark place all the time. And, and music is uh, just, uh, yeah, just amazing. Yeah, I think too, like in terms of how you got into this, like what actually inspired you to pursue this as a potential profession? Like was there a lightning bolt moment where you realised, yes, I want this, I need this, I must become this, or did you just wake up and suddenly just, you know, bona fide muso basically? Well, I was uh, I was in the choir when I was young. I was in the National Boys Choir and I had pipes when I was little. Like I was like a little soprano and it's hilarious and I was into music like back then and but my my the thing that I wanted when I was growing up was basketball I used to play I used to play hectic amounts of basketball I was obsessed with it and um rap was just a, a bit of a hobby it wasn't something that I would ever take seriously back then and um I I was I was aiming to go to college in America to play ball and my vision I got have issues with my vision and that 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 sort of just killed the drive for basketball because the you know, you know you can't shoot properly when you when you're going going half blind and stuff but um that at that point it was like well I stopped playing basketball now music's really the only thing I've got so it was 
started going really hard with that, but I still never saw it as a potential career. I started doing, um, started an apprenticeship as a chippy and doing work, doing a lot of work for, you know, Jim's mowing and just random jobs like that. And it was, uh, it was actually Pez who was like, we've let, you know, we only live once that kind of, that gave me that speech, you know, like we might as well do what we love doing and make it a career. Like let's, let's really chase it and go hard. And yeah. And then since then we, just went for it you know like I quit my um apprenticeship that week when when we spoke about it and then we just spent years chasing it and it took so long to get anywhere like years of playing shows to no one and feeling like you're really not not doing anything and it's not going to be successful but you just got to persevere and it ends up coming around yeah that's honestly incredible I think like as a side note you could probably still outshoot me even with worse vision like I shot some hoops the other day and my um free throw percentage was diabolical so I feel like you probably already have one up on me there but what was it like playing to those rooms like if they're empty like was it just that underlying passion and just that motivation of just you know this is just what I have to do like is that what kind of kept you driving through those earlier years yeah and and we we were just so hungry like we we loved hip hop and it was in a time where we were just obsessed with just rap and just the art of rap and writing and trying to be the best rappers in the country. We were like, we were like, you know, we're going to, we're going to in the next 10 years be the biggest in the, in the country and be the best at, you know, writing raps and all this kind of stuff. So we, we were both driving one another, Pez and I, which was really good to have like your best mate there with you doing, doing the same thing. Like if I was doing it by myself, I'd, definitely don't think I'd be where I'm at you know yeah 100% I guess it's it's the same as like with exercise if you have someone not to hold you accountable but I guess just to motivate you challenge you sometimes and just keep you pumping and in that era like what were you guys devouring what were you listening to that was kind of driving all of this were there some key artists that you were really really into apart I mean there's probably some obvious ones but who was really doing the rounds on the playlists and the mixtapes back then um it was like it was a lot of like uh, Big L and Wu Tang and Nas. Like the Nas Illmatic album was like that was something we thrashed all the time. And um, Eminem too. He was yeah, he was such such a like killer MC. And it, it was it. We just got inspired by a lot of the kind of punchline kind of rap and the the very raw kind of rap at that stage and. And it evolved from there. It was interesting to see the music evolve from, you know, going from really underground um, hip hop and stuff like that. And as we as we grew up, getting into other types of music and branching out musically as well and experimenting more. Um, like when I was young, I had the mentality that pop music and stuff like that I hated it you know I thought anyone who had any sort of pop elements in hip-hop I thought that was selling out I had that mentality so it's funny it's very funny to come from that background to go to where I did with uh, Falling and Flying with that album where it was very heavily pop influenced and stuff like that Um, but it just shows yeah it shows it shows how interesting evolution is you know 
Yeah, and interestingly you say that, like that is one thing that that album is quite notorious for. I mean, as I touched on at the start, you are coming up to the 10th anniversary of that incredible album and it is so stylistically diverse. Like, But what I found interesting, what you kind of said about that at the time too, is that you, with that album, you said that you write personal and honest music and that's when you shine. And I think like obviously that seems like the tack you took at that album, but it is such an amalgamation of different styles. Like looking back at it after a decade, how do you view that album? Like what does it mean to you in the broader scope of your career at this point now? It's so hard to, it's, it's like I did an interview the other day about it and um, they said, you know, that, that album changed the game completely because uh if no one was really doing that kind of poppy music or mixing different elements of other other styles and stuff like that and when that album came out it it gave people the um it gave them the the they they you can do that kind of music and it doesn't matter you can do whatever music you want you don't have to do like a typical sound of hip hop, but like back then there was like a very, very like specific sound to Australian hip hop, and um, yeah, we really didn't didn't want to make that. We wanted to make something really unique and separate. So it's really hard to me to look at an album and think it, it changed the game, and you know, it's it just feels bizarre looking back now that it's had that impact. Um, but I love it. I'm, I'm very proud of, of what we did. And it was such a, a great, great time in, in my life and just creating and everything. It was yeah, really fun. But I just find it so hard to just think of myself as someone who's changed the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, which, I mean, you inevitably did, but I guess that's probably what is so incredible about what you do, like, because you're obviously constantly looking forward and moving forward. And I guess to slightly look back, even though you feel like it might not have been as prolific as it actually has been, like, in terms of how you approached and created it compared to, say, like, what you see is what you get, did you have specific goals in mind of what you wanted Falling to end up becoming? Like, the debut was, like, had that more comedic leaning to it at times like what was your mindset back in 2011 creatively with with falling and flying um so i was it was like around a time where i was really obsessed with songwriting and um pop music was really influential as obviously with that album like i was i was getting into like all sorts of different tunes like the beatles and even stuff like Lily Allen and Mike Snow and just all sorts of stuff. And it was really, really focused on writing complete songs rather than just writing good raps with kind of choruses and stuff like that. And teaming up with someone like Styles who, who produced the album and, and, you know, wrote it with me was, he was just perfect for that because like, I remember having the meeting with him when we were talking about working together and he was very hesitant because because of my background, he thought that I'd be wanting to come in and make like um, just a very Aussie hip hop album at the time. And he didn't want to do that. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Like I want to make something that's like bringing electro elements and all sorts of stuff. Like let's do stuff that has not been done. And 
we did like three songs and the first three songs we did, we were like, well, this is, we're onto something here. Like really, they really, there was something special to them. And um, Pez, at the time, Pez had, had blown up with uh, the festival song and he had a meeting with EMI to, to discuss going forward label-wise with him and he was like, you got to play them, play them these songs in the meeting. And which is very selfless, you know, like going to a meeting for himself and then putting your mate on like that is, is really, really solid, you know? And they, they heard the songs and were just like, bang, straight away. They jumped on it and they were really, really keen. It was, it was really cool. They, they actually wanted to market me as the uh, male Lily Allen. (laughs) Oh my god, I adore this. <laughs> I was, oh, that's so funny. I was, I was like, that's that's maybe not that, but you know, <laughs> I respect it. I respect it. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge. I, I can't get over that. I'm kind of in love with that. But obviously, like you, you did so many other things on that. But clearly, they had something in mind for you with it. But like falling is full of so many amazing tracks and obviously you know there's a heap that everyone would have their own affinity to given there's been a bit of time and I hope it doesn't feel like I'm asking you to choose your favorite child but is there a secret or not so secret track on that album that you have had after all this time is there one you've got a secret soft spot for still um yeah so like I hope you don't mind is probably my favorite on that one it's the 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 most personal and really I get kind of get kind of emo on it and stuff. Um, but I really like uh, Run Alone, which is just the the best song to perform live. Just such an anthem. Every time we play that, it's just absolute craziness. It's so much fun. But there's also songs like um, Broken Wings, which is really, really different and it's just a, Sound, I, I still don't know how to explain that song and it goes down to this huge outro with like yeah big big indie indie outro and I like them yeah I, I really like them all to be honest even even the yeah. songs that didn't make it I have a soft spot for yeah I like that though because I always try to make myself answer that question when I ask other people because I feel like it's fair and I feel like when it came out it was still of the era where I still had CDs I was still pumping them in my car and I think it's because every time my car started, it would start the CD again. Like my car was not technologically advanced to like resume where I was playing. So the tape off would always be the first thing that would start when I turned on my car. So I'm like, I've yes. always got a soft spot for that, but it's like maybe because I've heard it, you know, so many times. But yeah, I think it's nice to have an affinity with all of them and there's so much light and shade going on with it. So there's definitely a lot to kind of unpack. And the exciting news is too, we are going to hear some tracks that, didn't actually make the first round with some demos and obviously you've got some exclusives that are coming out too. Like what was the call to include or not include some of these songs at the time? Um, oh, I was in this, I was in such an internal struggle mentally with this album because, because of the background where I come from with like raw, raw hip hop and, you know, being like, very anti anyone who's who does any pop kind of stuff for me to do to come from that and then do an album like this I was like constantly thinking everyone's gonna think I'm a sellout everyone in the scene's gonna think I'm a sellout 
and it really, really was something I struggled with. Like I almost didn't put Run Alone on the album because of that, because it was such a poppy song. And that, it was actually, you know, it was like someone like Kanye influenced me a lot to just, if, if, if I love it, then it doesn't matter. And it's funny when you like thinking about it, it would have been more selling out to not do it because I would have been, I would have been doing something that I think they want rather than what I want. And that, yeah, that, 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 that struggle was real though. And I think it was something I needed to get, get past. And Kanye did that with 808s and heartbreak, you know, he was in a, he was, in the zone and really killing it. And he could have just kept going on the path he was and kept going up. But then he did an album like 808s and Heartbreak, which was so experimental and um, alienated a lot of people at the time. But it was like he was he did it unapologetically. He didn't even care what anyone thought. He just did it, you know what I mean? And I admire that so much. That's yeah. Yeah. Well, and that authenticity comes through it. And that's the thing I feel like, you know, some everyone does it their own way. And some people would look at that and think, no, that's too, that's a bit too risky. It's a bit too outside the comfort zone. But I think it's really, yeah, it's it's exciting to see people just do it their way. And it mm. it resonated very well. So the risk obviously paid off. But I think either way it would have paid off. Like that's what's incredible about art. Stay with me after this short break. 360 chats how the industry landscape has changed in the last decade and share some insight into his musical future. Steve Bell here. I present the Handshake Agency podcast Rewind. Each series takes you back to a moment of musical heritage as we present oral histories about great albums of our time from the people who made them. If, like me, you have a geek-like curiosity about your favourite artists, Track down Rewind with Steve Bell at thepodcast.com.au, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favourite shows. Also getting to see and hear this album on vinyl, like I'm a sucker for colour, colourful vinyl, so I got so excited to see it. How does it feel to be able to be releasing it on vinyl, especially to celebrate now? Really cool, yeah. I'm loving it. I like to buy people that still buy in vinyl, like... Mm. I really thought that was going to get phased out completely. But, it, yeah, vinyl vinyl would probably sell more than CDs these days. Yeah. And it's, I've seen some people too are starting to bring the old cassette back, which I don't know how anyone's playing it because even, like, my laptop won't even play CDs these days. So oh. I think I'm going to have to invest in something to get back in the cool with the cool kids and be able to play all the stuff again. CDs. Yeah. Oh, Times have changed days. Yeah, and I guess that was the thing too back when you were doing it. Like CDs were still everywhere. All of this was still happening. Like as someone who has been doing this for a fair while now and has had a lot of change and a lot of evolution along the way, like what has potentially changed the least and or the most for you in the music industry during this time outside of obviously the social media and, mm. and the, like the physical music thing? It's, it's, it's uh it's wild to think about, like, I, I think about when, you know, people like the Motley Crue and stuff in that era, they came out in such a great time where you sold so many CDs if you were popular, you, you know, and as the internet, you know, evolved, it's gotten less and less and less. But I was very, very, very lucky with when I came out in the falling and flying period, 
there were so many festivals every year. There was just like, like 50 or something a year and getting booked for so many was just really, really great. And I'm very lucky for that because now there's like maybe two or three and that's it, you know, and it's a bit unfortunate in that regard, but the whole game has changed. Like radio, it, it used to be like, you know, you've got an album coming out the way that, labels would would you know approach it was which songs are the more radio friendly songs pitch them to the radio and then hope for the best you know and while radio is important they've become less and less important now and it's stuff like uh tiktok has become huge for promo like if you invest in tiktok influences say you've got a song that you think is really catchy and it's going to do really well. If you invest in paying TikTok influencers to, and try and get that song trending, you can, that's much better than radio. You know, that's what, that's what uh, Mask Wolf did, I think. And um, he killed it, did, did it perfectly. And, you know, with, with the streaming and all that kind of stuff, the game has changed. And I think it's, it's all about just adapting to it and not letting not becoming like a blockbuster video kind of thing where it just you let everything just keep evolving past you. You got to keep evolving with it and think of new ways that you can capitalize on these new, <coughs> the new, the new ways of the world and how everything works. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, yeah, it's, ev- it's not evolve or die sounds very dire and dark, but like if it's something that you do actively want to pursue, it definitely pays to, go with the times. I mean, I still held out on TikTok because I'm 35 and I don't think it's my audience. But like you said, like from a musician's perspective, there is so much to be gained from it. And yeah, I, I did that with Facebook though. I held off for 10 years. So I've always been like 10 years behind. So I'll get on well, it just as it starts to get not cool. I um I I don't really use TikTok to be honest because I, I don't understand it that much. Um I just think I'm I'm a bit old, you know, and but it is for, for marketing purposes and stuff like that. And the, the, the power these, the, the big influences hold is remarkable. Like they can start trends. They can, there's so, there's so much there to be utilized. And like I was watching a uh, podcast with the games manager and he was saying how TikTok is the number one go-to for promoting songs these days. It's not like radio is probably four on the list. It's all about, you know, you get you get people on YouTube who do like reaction videos and stuff, those kind of ways to promote stuff. Um, there's, yeah, there's, there's so many, you, you, can, you can do anything really. Mm, absolutely. It's interesting because I, I had Master Wolf on a couple of weeks back and we were just chatting and this was before he clocked his like little cheeky one billion stream club edition and, yeah. <laughs> It's, 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 incre- it's crazy, right? And it's absolutely correct what you said. And it's just, yeah, it can make or break in so many ways. And on that note, I guess as a creative, like it seems like something kind of hardwired and infused into you. And it seems like in 2021, you've come back as fresh as and as fierce as ever. Being coming back into creating music and releasing music, I should say in 2021, you are as fresh and as fierce. But what makes you creatively adventurous these days? Are you someone who looks beyond your comfort zone or looks outside or are you conduit for the ideas and they just kind of flow through you organically? It's interesting because I think like it, 
back in back in the days it was like especially in, in the rap world it used to be all about the mentality was you stay in your lane you know and you you be uh you don't you know use other people's styles much and you just do what you do maybe swerve out of your lane a little bit but these days raps become uh really interesting where it's like everyone's jumping on the same wave that everyone else is surfing on kind of thing um and so trying to push the envelope and and do something completely unique and original is very hard these days like a lot of stuff has been done um but for me at the moment it's i'm very rap focused and i feel like i'm 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 in this place where i need to i'm I'm like practicing like i feel like i'm in training camp trying to get my lift my game as far as the writing goes uh before i drop another project because i'm not sure where i want to go musically i don't quite know what direction to take and usually it happens organically as i'm making music it, it a sound kind of s- starts to form and then we go from there but at the at the moment i'm just writing just just straight raps i'm not not really writing choruses or songs or melodies or anything like that all i'm doing is just just rapping and i, I like that like I, I, I i'm i'm enjoying it and um i think it'll be really interesting to see where the next project goes. I think it, it you know, it might be a thing where it, it doesn't necessarily have to be the usual way of rolling out an album. You can, you can do things totally differently. You can don't even have to drop albums. You can drop singles and songs, but I think these days it's got to have a lot of visual content. It's like, you can't just release something and then hope it does well. You've got to put a lot of content out. So, for me, moving forward, it'll be there'll be a lot of videos, a lot of stuff like that. Yay! Well, that's exciting news for everyone, and it sounds like it's exciting too because everything just it it hasn't always been like this, but I feel like everything's just kind of opened up. It's all it's a bit of a free for all, but in a really exciting way. And in that respect, like, what are your thoughts on the current Australian hip hop? I hate to use the word, but scene for lack of a better word. Like, do you think? Is it healthy? Do you feel like it's a supportive place to be? Is it like somewhere that you actually are enjoying inhabiting still at this point? Yeah, I think uh, I think it is in a wild, very healthy place. I think the amount the amount of like new wave artists doing the the more modern sound of rap, um, the more melodic kind of auto tune stuff is amazing because a, a lot of people, some, some people don't like the kind of music and I get it because it isn't your typical kind of hip hop and rap, but it is its own little sub genre now where like people go in the booth and they don't really write, they freestyle this stuff, which is amazing, but it's, it, it, it just means that it's not very heavily lyrically driven it's more just about the energy and the the melodies and stuff like that but um they've i think when you when you go and record something whatever comes to you without thinking like freestyling the melody or singing that is the most purest form of creating in my mind and i think so many of the new new rappers and stuff like that are 
have captured that and they know what they're doing. And there's so many, so many talented kids out there now. It's, it is just amazing. Like every day I'm listening to new, new dudes that have got no really fan base or anything like that, but their music is incredible. And that's just, that's just for that style. But there's also room for so many other avenues and, and lanes. Like there's, there's so many rappers that are doing like, say more, more 90s style of hip hop, more golden era kind of classic rap. And if they do it well, they get a big following and there's, there's like room for everybody, no matter what kind of music you make, there's room for everybody to really succeed and everyone to do well. Um, like if you look at someone like someone like me, there's a lane for my, the type of music I make. There's a lane for someone who's completely opposite to me, like someone like Cursor, right? He's, his lane is great. Like it's, it's amazing. He can, he's carved his own path without using the industry where I, I, I had the industry in my pocket. Um, there, there's people like Wombat who's very raw and very, very technical and he's killing it. And there's, there's, there's a big fan base and following for him. And it's, it's, there's people like chilling it. Like it, there's so, there's so many different, different people. And, and it's, it's really cool. I think we're still in that, in, in the early stages of, of development in this country for hip hop, but it is really cool to just see so many different people doing it now. It's like, Back in the day when I started rapping, it was like frowned upon. It was, I didn't like telling people because you get teased for it, you know, and now everyone's really doing it. But there's a, there's so much talent. Like there really is. Like look at Kid Leroy. Like he's crazy. absolutely crazy. killing it. And it blows my mind. And, and, you know, like we should be so, like Australia should be so proud of that. Like we've got, he's a superstar, absolute superstar, and, and he's killing it. I love it. I, I just love that there's room for anyone to, to really do it. And if you're good, the music will speak for itself. Yeah, I think that's the biggest sentiment for it. And that's why, you know, potentially when there are hurdles and that, like you just keep going because you, if you're good, you're good. And we, it's exciting to see it not so much of an underground thing these days too with so many of these genres like heavy music hip-hop all of that it was all these underground stuff like they're blowing up and overseas are loving them so Mm. yeah it's incredible to witness that and it's inspiring too but as someone you have played an insane amount of shows with so many incredible artists I mean you, you mentioned Eminem earlier at the start like you've played obviously you did the Eminem and Kendrick Lamar tour like mind-blowing ridiculous amazing but what was it like that moment you walked on stage with that tour with those incredible artists? And I know publicly at the time you did also reveal that it was your first tour you were performing sober as well. That was like, like I never played stadium before, you know, like that was was so amazing. Just walking, walking in for sound check and just seeing the big stage set up and was just like, holy shit, we've, uh, we made it, you know, like that was kind of a moment. Um, 
and getting up before the show when you're an opening act at a stadium, I was like so nervous because I just thought no one would like me. Everyone's there to see Kendrick, Cole, you know, M, Eminem. I'll say M. I'll just pretend like we're friends. Um, but <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they'd hate it, but it was it was really received well. I was I was actually really really surprised by New Zealand because the New Zealand crowd was packed by the time I went on um, where the shows in Australia were just, they weren't completely full. They were still coming in, but um, the New Zealand reception was amazing. Like it was so much fun and I wasn't expecting it, but I, I, I don't usually get nervous before shows, but I, I well, wouldn't say it was nervous where it's like, I'm freaking out. I was just so pumped. And when you just step onto the crowd and I mean step onto the stage and everyone just starts cheering it's like just kicks or the adrenaline kicks in and it's just such a crazy feeling I wish everyone could experience it yeah oh I can't even imagine like I get nervous just like you know turning going on the phone some days with people so I think that will be obviously slightly more amplified for you but Obviously, that you've come so far since then. Like, is there still a bucket list event or person you would love to team up with or tour with or perform at in the near future when touring can actually get back on the cards finally? Yeah. Um, bucket list tour-wise, well, I'm not really sure. I don't. I haven't really been thinking about the performing aspect because I just don't know when it's really going to come back. Mm-hmm. You know, like. I've got a festival coming up in October in Sydney. Yay. I just don't I really, unfortunately, don't see it happening. Like I'm sure I'd think they're going to cancel it, which is which would be shocking. But yeah, I haven't thought about the the live aspect. But as as far as like bucket list, like I've always wanted to work with CeeLo Green. I absolutely love him. Of and and also wanted to do. My ultimate ultimate bucket list is to do a project with Hans Zimmer. Yes. Who is just so incredible and one of my favorite artists in the world. Um, I just want to do some a project with him where it's all very cinematic and it's there's no hip hop elements really involved. It's all string sections and really cool. Just, just how he makes his music really but with me telling a story. So it's like more like audio kind of cinema. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'd love to do something like that. Um, I think I will do something like that, but it just won't be with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, never say never. He's still doing stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'll back it. Let's get this happening. But yeah. in the short term, we obviously have a lot of other things to look forward to from you. Obviously the reissue of the incredible falling and flying and it's an incredible milestone, an incredible journey to get here and what an incredible human you are. Well, 360, thank you so much for joining me today. And as a thank you for your time, I have a special treat for you here through some incredible high-tech sorcery. I'll be passing you through my screen right now for you. Okay. A pair of Yamaha headphones. (laughs) The power of technology. (laughs) Science. 
<laughs> and now we're twinning because I have the same pair and you can also ignore strangers on the street when we're allowed back outside with these bad boys on. Nice. <laughs> I'm so keen to check these out. Eh? Yeah, they're, um, they're, they're, they're definitely keeping my hair intact too, so it's definitely a win. But more importantly, thank you for joining me today and here's to an incredible rest of 2021 and heading into a huge 2022 as well. I can't wait to see what you get up to. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Hey, appreciate it. Likewise, it's been great fun. Awesome. 360, Matt Colwell, what a human, what a story and some incredible insight into his past, present and future right there. The 10th anniversary edition of 360's incredible album, Falling and Flying, is officially out today. That's Friday, 24th September for those playing at home. And keep an eye out for some exciting unheard goodies with that release. Plus, if you're in the record-collecting way, the vinyl edition of Falling and Flying is also pretty dang snazzy. In the meantime, if you fancy catching up on previous episodes of The Green Room, or perhaps you'd like to discover a new podcast along the way, jump on over to thepodcast.com.au to hear more. Or perhaps YouTube is more your thing. Well, you are in luck, my friend, with video episodes of The Green Room living over on YouTube as we speak, including today's chat with 360. Head on over to the podcast channel on YouTube, or else you can type in The Green Room with Tiana Spita and away you go. And while you're at it, share some love and tell a friend or a family member, or perhaps even an enemy. If you think they might like this podcast, tell them about it. And likes and subscribes always put a smile on our dials here. Thanks for joining me today. Stay safe out there and I'll catch you next time on The Green Room. Podcast from the Handshake Agency Network, produced by Tiana Spita and Andrew Mast, with Pharrell D'Souza and Henry Gibson providing research. Recorded and engineered by Zig Parker, executive producer Craig Truick.